Welcome everyone to the latest edition of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. We have got the two usual suspects on the pod to discuss uh, the weekend, and the first one is City Fan TV producer Ray. Ray, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, Mike. Not too bad at all, thank you. Fantastic. And we also have the king of the Kipax man, Colin Savage. Colin, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, yes. Fantastic, guys. Well, let's get started. Fantastic weekend. 2-1 result. Back, back to the top. Back to the top of the league. Still at the top. We, were, we beat Arsenal 2-1. Tough game, Arsenal. We were very good opponents. Second highest uh, attendance at the CFA. Uh, we were top of the table on goal difference before. Now we're three points clear of Arsenal. Got a tough game against Chelsea in a few weeks' time. Chelsea second, game in hand, point behind us. Hey, if we win all our remaining league games this season, we'll be champions. We'll Fantastic be champions. news. Absolutely. What a great send-off for Nick Cushing. Absolutely. Fantastic. Pauline Bremer with the first goal. Lauren Hemp with the second one. And uh, there was a consolation goal for Arsenal in Daniel of Van, Van der Donk, I think the name was. Van der Donk. Van der Donk. So, yeah, absolutely. Um... Biffing results. Oh, guys, I think we've been talking about the wrong game. Hold on a minute. Let me just... Oh, sorry, was there another game? Yeah, hold on. I'm just going to go online to check the, the... Oh, no. Guys, you weren't fooled at all, were you? Listeners, you weren't fooled at all. <laughs> we tried We tried to steer ourselves away from this, but it just it couldn't be done. Tottenham 2, Manchester City nil. Absolutely incredible, guys. And it just reminds me of that quote from Einstein. You keep doing the same thing and expecting different results is the definition of insanity, Colin. What, what, what do you say? <laughs> Well, it depends what you mean by the same thing. I mean, uh, not scoring, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Doing the same thing and expecting a different result, which uh, in football, if you don't score, you cannot expect a different result. <laughs> it was Wasn't a bit it? like that game against, was it Middlesbrough, where they didn't have a shot on target, but Sunji High or someone scored an own goal. Yeah. And they won. That, it's just, uh, what's going on, guys? What is going on, Ray? Come on, tell us something. What is going on here? There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of things. But it's, it stems to something that's far too often and conveniently overlooked. And it's been overlooked in the last two seasons as well when we've obviously been fabulous and uh, won two league titles, uh, broken tons of records, is we're not very clinical. We're not ruthless. We haven't got that killer instinct. I, I didn't say it too much last season, but I did mention it that we weren't ruthless enough. We weren't scoring enough goals from the many chances we created. And I said it earlier on this season, and I said, you know, as we were still strolling to, to, to comfortable victories in games, it'll come back to bite you. It'll come back to, you know, haunt you when, especially when, I'm, I'm sure we're going to look at this, when you're playing teams like Real Madrid, you might get one or two chances. And when you get one or two chances, you need to be scoring from every single one of them. You know, against Spurs, once again, you know, we had, was it 25 shots or something? Well, we've had nearly 50 shots in the two games we played against Spurs. They managed five shots or six shots. They've scored four goals. We've scored two. It was very, very interesting, Ray, listening to Stevie Nichol on ESPN, because when he was asked to comment on this game, he said two words, daylight robbery. <laughs> And when they went on to expand on that, they just said that the moment that it became absolutely clear that Liverpool have got this league won, that something went on between the ears, you know, in the mentality at Man City. And that's what they put this down to. Um, I don't think it's just that. I don't think it's just that. But I, I think that's affected us as well. It's hard to say, isn't it? Because... The city that we know and love under Pep is like a well-oiled machine. And, you know, all the parts work beautifully together. And at the moment, it's just that they're off by about 5%, 10%. And, you know, there's passes going behind players, passes hit, you know, either overweighted or underweighted or, you know, the movement's not there or, or the decision-making is a second too long. And it's just those those little parts, just that the gears are grinding a little. Just It, it takes just that little bit of misfortune or, or things going wrong to, to throw the whole machine out of balance. That, I think that's what we saw on Sunday, isn't it? Colin, we do get these incredible moments of brainlessness and you've got to talk about the Zinchenko moment, really, because when you think about it, the, the guy is... Um, he got himself his first yellow card by running. <laughs> 
all the way from the left-back position to get involved in that protest about the penalty incident. And, like, he ran to get involved. Now, on a yellow card, and you've got uh, Harry Winks breaking free. And honest to goodness, I mean, just let Harry Winks go because he's not, you know, really, it's not Cristiano Ronaldo, for goodness sake. And barges him over, gets the second yellow and gets himself sent off. I mean, for goodness sake, Ray, I mean, you, can, you, can't, you can't coach that into people, can you? Made Martin. Otto Mendy look like Einstein. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but it is, it is brainless football. And we've seen it far too often. It was that third red card this season. And then we collapsed like a deck of cards. And I've seen it far too often this season. Again, our mentality is we work sometimes when we go behind. And especially when we go down to 10 men, we just look rubbish. And in, in seasons gone by, we've, we've been down to 10 men and we've come through you know, really well. I, I can think of two that stuck in my mind. One was the, I think, in our Centurion season when Walker got sent off, a ridiculous second yellow, I think. And we were losing 1-0, but we came back strongly. We dominated with 10 men. We dominated Everton. We scored a, a deserved equaliser. We could have uh, gone on to win that game. And going a bit further back in time, there was a game against, I think it was Hull City. It was Hull, and one against West Brom where we went down yeah. to 10 men. And we came, I mean, that, I remember the Hull one. Was it company sent off? Yep. Uh, David Silva scored a stupendous goal from outside the box. We ended up winning that one, I think, 2-0. So we've come back from adversity and we've played team whilst we've had 10 men and we've looked like we've got more men than they are. Well, so, uh, you only need to think back to one game 16 years ago today, 2004, FA Cup replay. It was against Spurs, weren't it? Yeah, yeah. It's Spurs. I remember that very well, that game. Yeah, we come back We come back with 10 men from 3-0 down at our time. It's possible but this season, we've seen the Wolves game. We were winning 2-0 in about, was it 54, 54 minutes? We were winning 2-0. We were down to 10 minutes, but we were winning 2-0. And we just threw that game away with our, I think, with our uh, desperately weak mentality. Because that's all I can put it down to. Brain farts from the manager and from players on the pitch um, making mistakes that they shouldn't be making, being ultra-defensive when and ending up with no outlets to attack from, keeping certain players on the pitch when they were not contributing uh, and taking other others who were off the... So we were really bad there. And once again here, you know, a game that we really had controlled. Spurs were, you know, we were we had them by the throw. We were not taking our chances, but we had them by the throw. We created so much. And then after that second yellow card for Zinchenko, we wobbled. And then we were making mistakes once again. And I'm sure we'll go over it. I think Pep made some mistakes. Uh, players made some mistakes and we 1-0 down. Then, you know, we still struggle there, get to 2-0 down with more mistakes. It's ridiculous and it has to be a mentality thing. It's not physical that you're making these mistakes and uh, showing uh, weak-mindedness. It's got to be something between those ears. Well, Colin Savage, let's just talk about uh, some of the litany of um, guilt-edged chances that uh, City had. For you, what was the the most guilt-edged of the guilt-edged chances? <laughs> the one that comes to mind is the one that Aguero missed from about, you know, four or five feet out. Literally, uh, all he had to do was turn it inside the post. The other one that came to mind was the... Gundogan? Yeah, I don't think Sterling did him any favours with that ball, horrible. to be honest. Horrible. Terrible ball. Maybe should have done better, but the, the ball wasn't helpful. But so, so the Aguero one, where he had the ball at his feet, and all he had to do was turn it inside the post, and he put, I think, he put it about a yard wide. Yeah. I mean, fr yeah. from from a yard out, how do you do that? Well, it's that those choices are up against some pretty stiff opposition, Ray. <laughs> what other ones come uh, to mind? There's a, there a KDB one where he chose to shoot rather than put the ball across to. I think it was Sterling unmarked in the box. Yeah. It wasn't an e would have been an easy finish, but. You know, the guy was standing on his own and it was a position to shoot from. I don't mind. If you take it on yourself, you've got to score. You've got, just got to score. There was one where Aguero had a shot that uh, I think Lloris saved, pushed it onto the post. I'm not, we're not even come to the penalty yet. We had four players against two. It was four against two and there was no keeper. The keeper was on the edge of the box. We had four against two. How can you not score? And Sterling could have had a shot if he wanted, but we had four against two. It reminds me of the game against United where David Silva, with only the really the goalie to beat, doesn't take a shot and passes back to Gundogan, who's then suddenly closed down by two players. There's this thing where it's, it's making wrong decisions. 
it's taking shots on where we shouldn't be taking shots on and, and passing when we should be shooting. It was ridiculous. And the biggest four powers the penalty. Well, before we get on to that, guys, let's just go through the lineup. We had, um, starting off, penalty taker in waiting, Ederson in goal, Kyle Walker, Otamendi, Fernandinho, Zinchenko, De Bruyne, Rodri, Gundogan, Mares, Aguero and Sterling. Um, three substitutions. Cancelo for Aguero on 64, Gabby J for Mares on 72, and Bernardo Silva for Sterling on 84. I mentioned Sterling, Colin, because, oh uh, my goodness, in the interests of being fair, he should have been off, shouldn't he? Uh, no, I don't think he should have done, actually. Really? Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the moment. I think we've been through this before, that a foul, if it's deemed careless, is not worthy of it, not deemed worthy of a yellow card. If it's deemed reckless, without regard for the safety of a, an opponent, then it's a yellow card. A red card is tackling with excessive force uh, and endangering the safety of an opponent. Now, I think there's a case for the, the decision, but I think it fell pretty firmly into, you know, 80% into the yellow card arena. It was reckless and it had no thought for the safety of the opponent, whatever the, whatever the wording is. I mean, what, what I'd say is if there was an orange card or a sin bin, that would have, for me, would have been a sin bin offence. It was possibly worthy of more than a yellow card, but it possibly wasn't worth worthy of a red card but it's one of those where you've seen them given you've seen well, them at half time I was watching the Oxford Newcastle game at half time they showed um, clip from the Liverpool, Liverpool game yeah. <laughs> and the Liverpool fullback Williams and apparently I, I only heard this from the commentator we already had a yellow card and it was one of those where the ball went free and he lunged in it and it, I think it was a genuine attempt to play the ball but it was almost identical to Sterling's and he didn't get a card you know coincidence maybe it's Liverpool maybe not <laughs> but forget it, the fact it's Liverpool there is such inconsistency in refereeing because some of those get red cards some get yellow like Sterling did and, and some don't get any card at all and some like Obama Young get a red card <laughs> yeah and if you think back to we split, played Spurs at home a couple of seasons ago there were two really bad oh, tackles yeah. by Deli Alley and Kane on Sterling and Aguero or was it De Bruyne anyway De Bruyne and Aguero uh, and I think both of those were punished by yellow cards weren't they and I think a lot of City fans argue that they could have been reds but again I think one of those probably crossed over the boundary into red the other one was probably very similar to Sterling so it's the inconsistency you know what I learned um, recently Ray um, I was watching um, Keys and Grey <laughs> on uh, I think it's BN Sports and they made point which they seem to have taken uh, as, uh, as as gospel I, I've never heard it but they were saying that considerable pressure on the, the Premier League now from the international community that they have got to get in line with the way it's done in the rest of Europe and the, the referees have got to start going to the pitch side monitor now and if the Premier League don't step up and get in line with the rest of Europe the, there are going to be sanctions and I, I had never heard this before We've seen, I think, um, I can't remember who at the weekend went to look at a pitch I'd monitor and overturn his decision. Uh, I, I can't remember. Um, I was listening on the radio at the time, probably in the car. So it's got to be done. Brexit's all over politics, boys. You know, we've got to go with, the, it's the rest of the world who have gone for, um, uh, you know, using the pitch I'd, pretty much the pitch I'd monitors and a better way to implement VAR. But generally, countries and associations have got a better way of implementing VAR. And not only are we relying on some shockingly incompetent referees verging on the border of something more sinister with some of the decisions that they make and the incomprehensible decisions that they make. So not only have we got some poor referees, but we're implementing VAR wrongly as well. So it's a double whammy to the poor Football fan, the football player, the manager, and the clubs with you know, and and I, I see a lot of the problem is Mike Riley because he's there implementing this VR the way he he uh, only he knows why he's doing it the way he's doing, and partly the fault is that some of the patently incompetent uh, referees we've got in this country. Well, guys, let's just interrupt this uh, podcast for a dad joke, and I'm going to ask this to um, Colin Savage, uh, see if he knows the answer. Uh, Colin Savage, how do you get a German footballer to miss a penalty? Well, you just get him to put a Manchester City shirt on. <laughs> got it. You got it in one. Uh, guys, <laughs> let's talk about the particular, um, the whole sort of uh, phase of play was um, was fascinating. Tell us, Ray, how it, how it got started. Okay. In my notes, anyway, I wrote <laughs> 36 minutes, Sterling pouring the box again. 
then it, what looked like a foul on Aguero. Now, I think, was it Aurier? But uh, the referee, if I remember correctly, he made the, was it, uh, made the action. He played the ball. He got the ball. That's what he was saying. He was doing that round circular action that he got the ball. But it didn't look like it. It looked like he got Aguero. Two minutes later, we got the VAR giving it a penalty for the foul on Aguero. It was a clear penalty. So I, I've got to ask, was it Mike Riley, the ref? I've got to ask myself. Mike Dean. Mike Dean, sorry. Mike Dean, Mike Riley's on my head. I'm in brains. I'm, uh, anyway, I can't say what I was going to say. But if he are signalling that the guy got the ball, he played the ball, he got the ball, are you telling me he was guessing? He didn't see? I don't understand it. I, I'd love somebody, a referee, to come and go through the thought process of, of Mike Dean to, not to give it, to say he got the ball when he was nowhere near it. He... The best I can think of, he was totally guessing with his reaction. It's one thing to say it's not a penalty and, and get it wrong, but it's a totally different thing to say. In effect, I saw it and he got the ball. He played, you know, he got the ball. He, he made the signal two or three times. He got the ball, but he didn't. And he was miles off it. It was a clear penalty. We got the penalty. The deserved one. Gundogan stepped up. Now Aguero's on the pitch. I'm quite happy. For Aguero not to take the penalty. His penalty record is a little bit above average. Gundogan's, I believe, is very, very good. But when he, when he lined up, he just thought, sometimes when you see a player lining up, they're lined up in, in such a way that they're only going to hit the ball one way. And it's hard at the last second to still wrap your foot around it and put it in the opposite corner. Ran up to take the penalty. It looked like it was going one way. It was pretty obvious. And it was going to go to the left of the keeper. I hasten to add, stood off his line. Stood off his line. So Lloris makes, makes a save, okay, because it's a good height. You know, it has to be much... Uh, it wasn't a great penalty, in my opinion. So Lloris, off his line, moves a bit early. He makes he makes a save. The ball bounces out. First one to the ball. Sterling was fouled. And this was, a, this was a penalty. I, I was absolutely sure about this. Touched it past Lloris. Lloris, um, you know, tackled his foot. Lloris was too late. It should have been another penalty. Referee said no. VAR said no. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, read a couple of things. Find this thing. This was from Rob McCall on Twitter. He said that the ref approaches the keeper before every penalty and tells him to stay on the line. And then not one linesman has flagged to say the keeper was off the line. And yet 90% are. It defeats the object if a linesman won't flag. You know, Rob is absolutely spot on. He was off his line. It should have been retaken straight away. And yes, Sterling was fouled. There's people saying Sterling was fouled. On the, on the commentary, if you watch it on telly, they were saying he was falling down just before he, or before Lloris got to him. Well, there's an actual still, you know. There's a picture there where you can see Sterling's actually leaning back, more backwards with his back leg. He's not falling forwards, not falling over. And he touches the ball past. Lloris fouled him. His hand is on his foot. And Sterling is certainly not falling over. In fact, he's more leaning backwards than uh, falling over. He's uh, he was stretching to get the ball first, which he did. Lloris fouled him. Absolutely no question. And it's no question that should have been the penalty should have been retaken anyway because of Lloris off his line, or at least we should have got a, a, a penalty again. Who who the heck knows would have taken that one this time? <laughs> it Perhaps was, it's better we didn't get the penalty. Yeah, but but it was it was four or five minutes of pathetic. Uh, officiating ludicrous decision making by the referee and by the the people in um, the VAR uh, officials. It's exasperating and frustrating. And if if it was against us, I would you know I'd still be exasperated, exasperated and frustrated because I want to see football played properly uh, in the right spirit with more good decisions and not pathetic cowardice. Virgin on cheating from the officials because they are cheating us. They are, you know, we can all, we've got two, I've, I've done this before this season. We've all got two eyes and we can all see what happened. Okay, Colin, well, while Ray is taking his blood pressure medicine, <laughs> let's just talk a little bit about uh, something that um, happened after the game. So apparently Pep was uh, locked in with the players for 30 or 40 minutes after the game. And uh, a little bit later, we heard that there was a full, a full and frank exchange of views between Pep and the players. And um, what has leaked out is that um, the senior players have told Pep that... Um, He's tinkering too much. 
what do you say? Is that is is have they got a point? Well, Cancelo is, is is our is our best fullback at the minute, and he didn't even start. And and he, and, and Sterling is was just just being played all the time. He's clearly out of form. And, um, what, what other tinkering they're referring to is not entirely clear to me. But well, I think you've got to. On one hand, you've got to say it's the male, <laughs> and it kind of not know that they make things up or or make a mountain out of a molehill. <laughs> but but let's let's assume. Let, let's be charitable. Let's be you know. Let's be let's not be cynical. And, and let's assume that was right. Let's assume the player did say that to him or something similar. Now, now I think they they would have a point because. It's an old cliche, but play your best team. Obviously, you know, I don't think we have necessarily a best 11. You look at Liverpool, they know who their, well, they, they pretty well know who their best 11 is. You know, it's the, the two lads, Robertson, Alexander Arnold at fullback, uh, Van Dyke, Gomez, or Matic at, at the back, uh, Henderson, well, I don't know, midfield, Fabinho. Well, Liverpool, I was going to say, sorry to jump in. Liverpool have got generally the same back four, same back yep. five, same front, same front three, three and they mix up the midfield a little. Yeah. Henderson would generally play so you've yeah. got nine and then they'll mix it up between Wijnaldum, Keita, Fabinho sometimes the Ox and that's it so you've got eight or nine who never change someone yeah, put, who you know will be first on yeah, the team shoot, someone put a stat someone put a stat up today I think they said Three of Liverpool's back four played every league game this season. Two of their front three played every league game. I'm not sure if that's exactly sound right. I know Mane's missed a few. Obviously, he's been injured. But it sounds re- it sounds reasonable. They might have missed one or two, I think, at maximum. Uh, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm questioning the veracity of that uh, stat. But predominantly, those four players, you've always had three three of them four playing almost every league game. And up front, it's almost always the same. There's the odd game where they've, I think Firmino was dropped for... Origi and now uh, Sadio Mane is out but it's generally the same team game after game after game and I, I don't know why Pep's doing it And but if I look through my notes and it says Sterling lucky to stay on the pitch Sterling poor again uh, Sterling poor in the box and you know he, that's the only word I have against his name and, and, and we're making subs and Sterling still on the on the I was, pitch where the final whistle goes. That's disgusting you know well, maybe that's the wrong word I, it, I don't it's understand inexplicable inexplicable yeah I have to talk about, sorry guys, but I have to say, the decision to take Sergio Aguero off, Zinchenko gets the second card. We're going to bring Cancelo on for Aguero. Okay, at that stage, it's, they've got a corner. Sergio Aguero is about knee high to a grasshopper. Okay, about five foot eight and a half, uh, standing up on his tippy toes. Cancelo's at the, you know, waiting to come on. And I don't know if it's the referee uh, didn't allow it. No, we were waiting till the corner was over before we got Cancelo on. We should have got Cancelo on before the corner. I still don't agree with taking a... At that point, yes, I can agree with taking Aguero off, okay? I can understand it. I don't like it, but I can understand it. Once the Devils score, why on earth are you taking Aguero off? The guy you need to score your goal... You're not taking him off. The guy who... You're leaving Stir- yeah, you're leaving Sterling on, it, who's done nothing all he's game nothing. again. And he's got no confidence. Aguero, in the recent past, has scored, if I remember correctly, three goals, two goals, one goal. Okay, nothing against United. But in the last four go- games, he scored six goals. Why isn't he staying on? He gets in good positions, and he generally scores the odd goal. I don't understand that. Why are you taking your best striker off, the guy you need to score goals, and leaving a guy whose confidence is shot He's not contributing enough. I mean, you know, slap me around, guys. I just don't understand it. I'd love someone to have asked Pep why he did that. I mean, to, yeah, to, to, to pick up to pick up the point Ray made at the start, I mean, I think we both feel the same way about, about that. I'm not going to go there. To go back to his point about Liverpool, there, there, there were probably nine players who would be automatic picks on the team sheet for fit. And while he was talking, I was quite glad he jumped in because I'm, I'm jotting down who would go on our team sheet, undoubtedly, if they were fit. Um, Edison, obviously, uh, Laporte, Kevin De Bruyne and Sergio Aguero. Ares. That's it. Maybe Fernandinho in the defensive midfield position. Yeah. Maybe. So, so we're looking at, you know, Mendy, question mark? I don't think so. So we're looking at five players, maybe, that, that would be first on our, te- on our team sheet. We, if Sterling was in form, he'd be one of those players. But is that not because of Pep rather than, than anything else, uh, Colin? Because a lot of people would add Bernardo Silva to that. They would add maybe even Phil Foden well, to that. Well, but well, yeah, but you, he's not you, playing you them. Put, you definitely put the Bernardo Silva of last season on the team sheet. And as Ray was saying... It, it, 
the Sterling thing, it's stubbornness. You know, he's almost like making a point. I know he's playing crap, but I'm going to leave him on because I, I don't want the press to get to him. Well, you know, you should be thinking of the team. If we're playing with 10 men, and I'm sorry to be cruel, we are playing, as Ray said, we are playing with 10 men when Sterling starts. At the, at the moment, the best thing you can do for him is not play him because that's just making things worse. He's a player, I think, who lack of confidence feeds feeds him. There's a multiplier effect, isn't there? Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and a lot if of people... have a lack of confidence... It, it multiplies. A lot so of people, you know, some players could work through it. That a lot of people are are looking at like Jaden Braff and what he's doing and thinking he couldn't possibly do any worse. Uh, well, if you saw his goal uh, the other day, um, you know he he did his man uh, uh, near the halfway line, made a beeline for the for the goal, sidestepped a couple of players, bang, goalkeeper didn't move in the corner. This kid is going to leave. This kid is going to leave. I suspect the first given opportunity, he's going to do a Jaden Sancho. Because he knows he's he's not going to get into the first team. He knows, you know, he's not going to get those opportunities. Look at Eric Garcia singing his praises, absolutely singing his praises. Do you know where he is in the pecking order? Yeah. So he's going to look and say, you know, I've been doing all. He's been doing all right, and I, I ex- accept you can't throw John Stones under a bus just yet. But Garcia is going to look at it and say, and I need to be playing. And right now, I'm behind Laporte. I'm behind Fernandinho. I'm by, behind Otamendi. I'm behind Stones. I'm fifth choice. What chances have I got to play? And Jaden Brass going to turn around and think the same, that, you know, the team's not doing well enough. And I'm, what chances am I going to have? That's one of the reasons that Sancho give to leave. You know, there are others as well. And I can see that happening with our promising youngsters as well. You know, they're going to have to go somewhere else to get that experience and will they come back? I guess another point, uh, Colin, is that he does seem to be persisting quite a lot in a lot of these games with Otamendi and um, there was a, a wise crack on, on Twitter which I thought was kind of funny but then I thought maybe there's something to it and uh, the question was um, is Otamendi just basically Dean Michaelis only not even as, as consistent? He'll play five games four of those he'll play a perfect game he had a reasonable game on Sunday uh, but, you know, in, the, in those five games, he'll play four perfect ones. He'll play 89 minutes perfectly in the fifth game. And then he'll do what he did against Palace. And cost, and, United, United. And cost you, United. A goal, cost you a goal, Colin. And, well, he, did, and, he didn't that time. But yes, he will He will cost but, you a goal. But he did in this game because I don't know what he was doing. Or oh, the second goal second, where... Second, the second, he steps second. Up. Yeah, when he s- stepped up. up trying to play the guy offside. I mean, come on. Well, where is he going? That is automated to a T, isn't it? Because I say he will have a perfect game, do something so unutterable are really stupid and it's that just one we're saying the same about Zinchenko you know you're on a yellow card don't do anything stupid we saw it with Otamendi as I just said against United you know it's the 89th minute we're one nil down another goal sends it to penalties and he steps out he doesn't it's not even as though the player runs across him he steps out and fouls him and who was it? Oh, yeah, it was it was um, but, but the Yorkshire Messi or wherever he's from. These are highly paid professionals. They're not pub players. If they can't through situations like that, if I was a manager and Zinchenko went into, the, I went to see Zinchenko in the chest, I'd be going berserk. I'd be saying, "Do you not stop and think?" I'd be saying to say, "We saw it with, we said it on the pod, didn't we? On the last pod, we saw it with Kevin De Bruyne to Otamendi. Yeah. He went berserk, and that's what I want to see." From from my you know a captain or even another player I don't care tell him tell him you know don't ignore it tell him and I think it sums up doesn't it the difference between the city of this season or now and the city of last season yeah. where everything we did was instinctively good everything we're doing now seems to be laboured and, and slow and, and and we're not executing it properly and I don't know it, it's it's a very strange. Can I ask you a question? Do you think Laporte is suffering from fatigue? <laughs> That's the excuse. Well, well um, no, um, obviously not. But I was reading something, the book that uh, Ian Cheeseman goes wrote for Vincent Company. And uh, it was interesting because Company talks about coming back from injury. And he said, you know, when you've been injured, you build up scar tissue and um, you, you've got to take it easy. You know, for, it takes you four or five games for your muscles to acclimatise. And, and we played Laporte, what, for 80 minutes or something? 80 minutes. 78 like, minutes. 78 minutes, yeah. yeah. I've looked into this because I, I'm, I was really disappointed. I was surprised, okay. Now, I'm not a, um, a, a medic, but <laughs> I've worked many years with doctors 
both my brothers are doctors, my sister-in-law is a doctor, my another sister-in-law is a nurse. Uh, so, I, you know, and and I, I do tap into my brother's expertise at times on certain injuries. Uh, one's a consultant orthopedic surgeon working on ankles. So with ankle injuries, I can ask him. He can, you know, obviously not looking at the specific injury. He can at least give me an idea, a range of this is the injury you know, this is the operation, what's the recovery? It's just, you know, I'm curious like everybody else is. I've asked them over the years many, many times, lots of different stuff. Now, I looked at, just this is just my feeling. I was surprised Laporte started that game. Now, obviously, remember, I don't know the nitty-gritty, I don't know what the medics have said and everything, but I, I, it, it surprised me. I thought he'd start on the bench, and the earliest I thought he would come back would be this game, uh, the game against uh, Sheffield United. I understand why we did it because Sheffield United are a damn good team and uh, we're playing away from home. It's going to be a really tough game and you want someone like Laporte. I understand that. But I thought at best he'd be on the bench and then he'd have a, another start on the bench against maybe the United, uh, United game or, or whatever. He'd be eased back into it. So I was surprised he started and shocked. But I was happy uh, as well. But then to play 78 minutes just felt too long. And then the excuse that's coming back now that he's he's is simply fatigue. I don't buy it. I don't buy it's simply fatigue that he can't play another game after 11 days, okay, against Spurs. I don't buy that at all. So, you know, whereas in the past, uh, you'd, you know, you back. I'm still, I'm still, still backing them overall. But you'd back what people say to the hilt. Now I'm just thinking, you know, you're not, I, I just don't feel we're, they're being uh, um, honest with us because I, I don't buy it's fatigue. After 11 days, he's not fit enough. I just don't buy that at all. So that that concerns me that, you know, we, they're, they're not being possibly as honest with us as they should. What's the, is it going to be embarrassing if they turn around and say, well, actually he, we, we, we you know, he's, he's unfit. What's going on in your view with uh, Mendy, Colin? Uh, it, he's disappeared, and John Stones left completely out of the uh, out of the squad as well. It's another uh, head scratch. Another, yeah. I mean, it's the same pattern, isn't it? Players who have had you know serious injuries or longer term injuries are coming back. They're playing a game, then they're out for the next five games. Yeah, and, and there's said, I think I said this the last part of the one before. There is something wrong in our medical department. This is what gets me. How can Angelina be? I understand some of the reasons why Angelina's gone because we, if we keep him with us this season, we're not going to be significantly increasing his value. But going to RB Leipzig, and he, I think apparently he got an assist for them today. If he has a decent four or five months with them, we stand to sell him for about 25 million quid. So we walk away with best part of 20 million quid profit. The, for the money men, that's fantastic. How can we let him go when we've got problems with Mendy's fitness? And then we've got Zinchenko, who's not a left-back. It just sounds like crazy decision-making. Who plays next game if Mendy's not fit? There's a, th- there's a theory about this, guys. Um, was on the panel with uh, Graham Souness and, and uh, the other guys, and they made well, they constructed the theory that Pep's given up on the league. Um, this, is, this explains this so-called irrationality. And he's basically managing the players for who he wants to start against Real Madrid. I don't know if you buy that, but, but my goodness, guys, certainly judging on the last two performances, we're going to get absolutely smacked by Madrid. I can't remember whether it was uh, Chiqui Bagheeristan or, or Ferran Soriano. I think it was Bagheeristan made the point that you can't just play in league games that you're not, you know, you've given up on and then suddenly become a world-beating team in the Champions League. Uh, Stevie, Stevie Nichol was saying the same thing. You can't turn it off uh, and, it. and switch it on it's, again. It's not a switch. If it was a, if it was a switch... We'd have won all our games this season. You can't do it. Talking about throwing games, I mean, I, I think we're doing it deliberately. I, I think it, it needs to be investigated. We, we are throwing games simply so that when Liverpool come to the Etihad, they don't win the league. They've already won the league. <laughs> and we don't give them a guard of honour. We are chucking I, these games. I, I can buy that conspiracy theory, yeah. The case is that um, if Liverpool win their next six games, then they would pronounce champions um, mathematically, and it would be at the Etihad. And um, well, yeah. well, potentially, the, the Everton fans are saying they, they hope they can piss in their tea, uh, so to speak. But when they when they when they play Liverpool, but come on, Everton! <laughs> as much as I'd like them to beat Liverpool for to, for their own uh, battered pride, um, they've lived in their shadow for so many years. Um, I can't see Everton 
pulling anything off. I can't see anybody. I mean, you know, when Liverpool are in that relentless machine mode that we were in in, uh, in our Centurions season, uh, you've got to remember we were the first team uh, to be Centurions. So whatever they do now, you know, they're second. You, you always remember the first. Uh, they are relentless and, you know, they, they, they're still getting a few decisions. And this is not out of bitterness or saltiness. They are still getting decisions. Uh, was it Ralph Hassenhutel said at the, at the weekend? That's the only bit of the football I saw in that game. Uh, the Ings non-penalty, it seemed ridiculous. Um, and he said, how did they make that decision in 10 seconds? How did they make the VAR decision in 10 seconds when other decisions are taking two minutes? How can they do it in 10 seconds? At Am- and we see it time and again at Anfield. These decisions are made in so quickly it, it, it beggars belief. And just to remind you, I'm not you know, decrying what Liverpool have done this season. What they have achieved is amazing and they fully deserve to win the title. Fully deserve to win the title. Although it hurts me to say that, they fully deserve to win the title. But come on, guys, it is cheating at best. No, I think everyone can say it now. Even um, David McDonald in the mirror was... Shrewsbury's goal was ruled off for a very odd offside. Uh, the goal was disallowed, and even David McDonald in the mirror was was laughing about it. Colin, if you could just touch you on this point, um, there were several comments uh, harping on the same theme that City have turned into the Arsenal of old in that in that they're they're continually trying to walk the ball into the net. The cutbacks that were coming off so frequently last season uh, have been dealt with by managers of uh, opposition teams. They can see what's coming; they've worked it out. And um, City have just, you know, we were talking in the last pod about the yips. They're just, they're just not pulling the trigger when players are getting into good positions. And no one seems to be uh, pointing this out. Or, well, there's no evidence of, of it being pointed out. We we even used to have uh, Mares doing it. And he was obviously off message with, with what Pep has wanted, but at least, you know, got a few shots in. What do you think about that point? Well, so go back to Ray's point about some sort of grand conspiracy theory. I you look at some of the David Silva passing to Gundogan. Why? You know, uh, Aguero missing from a yard out. And you think, has someone got a big bet on us not scoring in three consecutive games or something? You know, um, someone's is, put is, a is, this, is this Is this how we're going to raise the money to buy Mbappe? Um, <laughs> because we've got to be self-sufficient now. So, Jake Masor's not going to give us the money. So, we have to get it somewhere. So, perhaps we've got, you know few million pound bets on. Is Pep losing it a bit, do you think? I'm going to go through some stats, okay? And like Colin said about Einstein, and, and if you're doing, or even you said, Mike, if you're doing something wrong again and again, then <laughs> you're not thinking straight. 12 games City haven't won this season. We've had, in those 12 games, 176 chances, okay? That's almost 15 chances every game. We've had 66 shots on target in 12 games. That's enough shots to win all of those games. We've scored 14 goals. So we're, we're just over the 20%. Our opponents have, have created only 100 chances. That's eight chances a game while we're, we're creating 15. They've had 43 shots on target and scored 24 goals. They're scoring with more than 50% of their shots on target. And we're scoring with around 20%. So something's wrong. And I'm just going to go through one other set of stats about Gundogan. If we can see it, why can't Pep? We were saying last season that you can't play Gundogan and David Silva together in an attacking midfield role. It doesn't work even with Fernandinho behind them. This season, with Gundogan as a num- apparently as a number six, we've won 11 out of the 14 games he's played at number six. And we've drawn the other three. We've scored 39 goals, almost three a game. Gundogan, as an attacking midfielder, apparently, he's played 11 times. We've won four games. We've drawn two and we've lost 20 goals for. So we've dropped down to two goals a game, under two goals a game from three and 14 goals against. I think it's harsh when people say Gundogan's starting, you know, our win rate's low and not starting our win rate's high, which is true. But you've got to look deeper into stats. But apparently, here's another to finish off. Rodri and Gundogan together, when they played together, we played 15 times with Rodri and Gundogan. We've got a 53% with only three clean sheets out of 15 games. When only one of those two has started, basically Rodri or Gundogan as defensive midfielder, We've played 17 games. We have a win rate of 74% 
with nine clean sheets. And if the stats are smacking you in the face like that, you've got to say, I'm surely with the millions of pounds we spend on statisticians and tacticians and on all the backroom staff, giving up the numbers, surely these numbers should have been processed. Surely you can see them. It's smacking you in the face. It's not working. And why we keep insisting on playing Gundogan as an attacking midfielder, I don't understand. If Fernandinho was behind him, I would be less concerned. But it's not working with Rodri and Gundogan on the pitch together. It's simply not working. We can see by the numbers. And sometimes, and we can see with our own eyes, it's not working. And this is the funny thing also, uh, Colin, I, I saw a lot of comments um, that um, City fans are beginning to, uh, there, there's a, kind of a swell beginning to develop of City fans who reckon that um, Rodri is too big and too slow and he's not taking advantage of his physicality. And um, they're, they're beginning to sort of turn on him a little bit. In fact, the, the fans on, on Twitter were really getting stuck into the in the immediate aftermath of that game. I'm just wondering if they have a point. And some of them were saying that um, Rodri is just, he's, he's suited to the Spanish league. That's where he fits in and he can't make it in the, in the Premier League. It might seem a bit harsh, but do they have a point? No, well, we've said this before that um, you shouldn't really judge a player under in a pep system in his first season. Yeah. We saw it with Bernardo. Yeah. And we've seen it with other players. It takes a while to bed in. And Rodri looked he looked okay when he started, but but I think you've got to judge him in context of the way the team is playing generally. Which is you know as we said before, we're all over the place at the moment. You know, well not all over the place, but you know we're probably about you know five ten percent down on our our best, and that that makes a huge difference. And I think everyone it's like everyone is affected. You know, what one 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 cog, two cogs have ground together, and all the rest of the machinery has gone out out of sync. Uh, and and, and tr- uh, trying, trying to think about how we can fix this, Colin. What we've seen over the, the past uh, uh, two games, we know well, that. Well, we, well, I mean, there's a number of theories talking about fixing it. Before people are asking the question about Pep, or about any manager has a shelf life. Or you can look at the Alex Ferguson's of this world; they're one-offs. Even Arsene Wenger went on well beyond his shelf life. Yeah. So, so a lot of managers they come in, they make a change, uh, and it lasts. You know, it takes them two or three seasons to get it right, and then the players stop listening, or or, mm. or they, 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 you know, they're not quite as frightened of the manager. Perhaps they get a bit too complacent. Perhaps the manager, you know, is as we said before, players aren't intelligent generally. You know, the, the Kevin De Bruyne's, the Vincent Companies are perhaps a, um, an exception. What, what we see week in week out, our players are stupid. They're not the brightest. And I think you have to give them things in bite-sized chunks. And it's like a kid, you know, you keep shouting at them. Eventually, it'll just go in one ear and out the other. So so, so there's a, a point of view, I'm not sure I subscribe to it, though I understand it, is that Pepper's run out of steam uh, with, with this team because he's been here now. Uh, this is his fourth oh, season, which is as long as he stayed, longer than he stayed, or as long as he stayed anywhere. That's so, yeah. Yeah, there's conflicting stories going around from good sources. I've heard from a good source that he, and he said it himself, he is staying next season. You know, you can't get more unequivocal than that. I've also heard from a source that we, how how reliable this source is, I don't know, that um, we've already got an agreement with uh, Maurizio Pochettino. (laughs) But I I do think, I do think that if Pep thinks that his impact on this team has run out, I do think he will not stay another season. Yeah. I and I'm not I'm not saying he will leave in the summer because the word is he's going to stay next season. But, you know, things change, don't they? And I, if he's not, for me, if he's not going to be around for a few years, a few seasons, while the rebuild we're talking about takes place, we've lost company, David Silva's going, Aguero will be gone in a couple of seasons, Fernandinho will be gone in a couple of seasons. That that brilliant core that got us through Mancini, got us through Pellegrini, it's, it, it's you know worked wonders for Pep. That, that core is going. The side needs a rebuild. And the interesting thing about someone like Pochettino, for example, is when we talked before about um, not giving Foden and Garcia enough opportunities. I'm not, not saying play them week in, week out. Pochettino knows how to bed young players in. And I'm thinking if I'm stood there in Pep's shoes, I would be thinking, am I going to be here? Do I want to be here for, for five years, four years or five years? Yes or no? If yes, brilliant. I, I'm all for that. But if he thinks I've gone as far as I can, you know, at plateau, cannot get any more out, out of this team. I'm not, I don't have the energy uh, and it's not fair for me to do something that another manager is going to have to pick up. Therefore, 
I'll walk away from it. That's so, the conundrum. So, That's the conundrum, isn't that, it? That, well, and we don't know. We don't know. You know, is it? Are we having a blip that the pet will pick us up for one glorious last season where we'll win the quadruple, or, 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 or you know, have we have we really plateaued under Pep? And is it time to let someone else? And, and, and yeah, I'm not. People say. Yeah, how can you be disrespectful to Pep? I'm not being disrespectful. You know, we've seen that I've watched City for 50 years. I have seen the best football I have ever seen. Football that literally at times has taken my breath away. So I'm not, I'm not showing disrespect to Pep, but you don't win anything for what you won last season. It, you know, you start afresh a new season. And if, as I've said, if he doesn't think he's the man, or perhaps the club don't think he's the man, or he doesn't think he's the man, to take us through the next three, four seasons where we need someone to take the team forward, then you no, know, he, he could, he would walk away with my blessing. And, and I don't mean great, he's walking away, but we know what he's done for us. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll agree that I, I think if um, if it's Pep that's saying I don't think I can do any more, it's just the guys aren't listening or I can't go any further, then it's Pep who'll call time. I think Pep will call time before the City board call time. Oh, yes. Yeah, I think Pep knows in his own mind. Yeah, I mean, guys, there were people saying that um, they were anticipating an announcement in the summer that Pep's leaving for a new challenge. But if you think about it, I mean, what better challenge is there than um, knocking Liverpool off their something perch? Um, um, I, I, let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we will next season. Let's not go there. But, um, yeah, we're absolutely certain that there is going to be uh, a revamp. And um, what was what was fascinating was were, were people making lists of the people that have to go. And obviously, David Silva's going. A lot of people are fairly sure that Leroy Sané is going, that Otamendi's going, that Bravo is going. Um, you could probably add two or three other names to that. And we're talking here about five or six players, guys. So this is this is a huge um, uh, rebuild. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's not fair to the club for Pep to kind of stay for, even if he stays and sees out his contract, to stay for one season to start that rebuild and then hand it off to someone else. Yeah, exactly. You know, even even though we do have a director of football, it's got to be the person who's going to take us forward the next three or four years. Yeah, that's yeah. Pep or someone else. You, you can't. Uh, yeah, the point. The point. Yeah, the point is very, very clear, Colin, and, and well made. That uh, I mean, th- we're talking five or six players that that will be leaving and need to be replaced. I mean, is Pep going to replace them and then finish his contract and, and move on? And they would not be the choices of the incoming manager. Yeah, no, that's that's. Not- be a mess. It could be a mess. So the only good thing is that um, that really argues for Pep signing a new contract, and I, I certainly hope he does that. But uh, yeah, but he's going to leave at the end of this season, or he's going to stay for another two or three seasons. Ray, if you were a fly on the, if you were a hypothetical fly on the wall in the dressing room, what do you think Pep would have been saying to them in that 30, 40 minutes after the game? I think they've been swearing a lot. I, I, I hope he was. I don't know. It's got to be a mix of, you've got to, at some point, give them the rollicking they deserve. You know, give Zinchenko the rollicking for that, what he's done. Give Otamendi some rollicking for what he's done, stepping out for the song goal. Take on board what the players are saying as well. But we've seen with that Amazon documentary, you know, um, where he, was it the Wigan game when he, or whichever game it was, where he came and said, sit down, shut up, or whatever, and he wouldn't let them talk. So I'd be surprised if he's now suddenly given them the opportunity to to say what they want to say, unless he said, tell me what you want to say. Maybe Pep's l- listen to them and you know let them have have a say, but. I, I really wish he was getting stuck into a few because um, it's been going on too long. You know, whether getting stuck into Sterling is going to get you the uh, thing you desire, the reaction you desire, I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, I don't know what what he can say for 45 minutes. You know, even I can't talk for 45 minutes without letting somebody get, to, uh, get in a word in edgeways. But um, one thing is interesting. I heard an interesting uh, theory, guys. You know the way that Pep has got this five-second thing where you have to win the ball back within five seconds of losing it? The City frontline attack, they need to have some kind of five-second rule where, where if they, you know... They need to take a shot. Um, when they get to a certain point, they need to take a shot within five seconds instead of um, messing around with it and, and playing around with it in front of the opposition goal. But um, goodness. And, and guys, wasn't it? So it, it was one of those days where you knew that nothing was going in. I mean, even in, in extra time, wasn't it Davinson Sanchez 
miscued a, 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 a header and it crashed against his own crossbar. I mean, there was just nothing going in, nothing going in for us in that game. And it was the predictability of it was just so disheartening. You, you could you could just feel it. You could see it. Uh, guys, were there other incidents that we in our in our various rants that we've obviously yeah, yeah gone, we missed the um uh, the sorry this check of sending off came from a Mares corner which went straight to a Spurs player the, the thing about corners I don't know if we want to tug at that thread but oh no, we're so you so so so, so useless with well them. we tugged at that thread before we were well over two hundred corners for two goals and it's pathetic and, and, not- and also sorry and also um sorry the Spurs second goal again came from their corner yet again we're doing this zonal marking thing and these two or three Spurs players stood outside the box unmarked while we're all players are all in the box doing this zonal marking stuff and I hate that Mm. and the number of times it's happened that there's been a spare opposition player or two just outside the area, you know, 20, 25 yards out, and there was no one near them. And we're, we're, we're kind of not closing them down, and because then we're all running around like headless chickens. What is the ar- open. what is the argument for zonal marking? Can someone know. can someone tell me that? Is, is there some sort of you know competitive advantage? Well, the, 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 I suppose the theory is that you're mark, marking a spot on the pitch, which means that if you're marking a player, there's all sorts of ways and means they can get in front of you. If you're marking a, a spot on the pitch, then in theory, you're, you stay marked, you know, rooted to the spot. I, I don't know. But it's no good opposition managers who work this out. And what they'll do is they'll leave two or three players just outside the area, you know, 25 yards out, which gives them all the time in the world, you know, play a good balling while we're all panicking and rushing around like headless chickens trying to cover whoever is there and we never yeah. do it well, and that was that the perfect example of that was that yeah. Spurs second goal well as Fabian Delph would say it's the basics of football we're not doing the basics right we're getting all I mean to, to be a bit a bit more positive okay we're still a very good team we're still you know we're in the final of the Carabao Cup we're through to the fifth round of the FA Cup we're in still in the, in the Champions League we're second in the league it's not you know slit your wrist times guys but we still create a lot of chances. And, and I, I believe it. we talked about margins. The margins this season between us being very good and what we are, I don't think it's that much because we still create a lot of chances. And I'll go back to early in the season when we played West Ham. I don't, I, I mean, I'd have said we were in second gear and we beat them 5-0. There's games like where we've, we've hammered teams like Watford, where we scored, was it five goals in the first 17 minutes? Yeah. Every chance was going in. And we can go on and have those moments in games where we're absolutely sparkling. But what, what I feel is we're not consistently sparkling for long enough. Look, a case in point was that first game against United in the Carabao Cup semi-final. The first half, we were exhilarating. Was it 3-0 up? Second half, we were off the boil. Second leg, we were off the boil again. And, you know, 45 minutes of football got us through that tie. But I still believe we are not far off being fantastic again. But, you know, even a drop of 5 or 10%, for whatever reason, being mentally and physically tired after two uh, phenomenal seasons, that's obviously taking its toll. Company leaving, losing the man, the leader, the captain, the defender, that's taking its toll. A few injuries, they've taken their toll. The recruitment, I've said, I think we should, in the last two seasons, we should have bought players who would automatically walk into our first team. That shakes it up. We haven't done that. We've not bought anybody, even now, if we had a a best 11 at the full um, potential, we'd, we'd have Raheem Sterling and Leroy Sane out wide and not Mares. So we've not, in the last two seasons, recruited anybody who would easily walk into the team and kick an incumbent out. And I think that's what we need to do this summer when we look for recruitment. We need a minimum of two players that will walk into that team and say, this is my slot. It might be a centre-back. It might be a new wide man. It might be a centre I don't know what it's going to be. But we need two players to walk in and shake it up. And even Rodri, who's played a lot of games, most City fans will say, still say, I would rather have Fernandinho in there because Fernandinho is better than Rodri. Guys, just putting um, a bit of perspective on the whole thing. Um, so far this season, uh, City have racked up 65 goals. Quiz for Colin Savage. This time last season, at this stage last season, how many had City scored? 
Isn't well, it? Scored scored no, no, City scored no, so no. this is this is the league. This is the league. Yeah. How many did we scored? Because a lot of commentators made a, made this point. Uh, several of them made this point. Obviously, our performance 50, levels have dropped. 55, 56? Uh, the the answer is going to shock you. Um, the answer is uh, one more, sixty six. So City had sc- have scored sixty five goals so far this season. At this stage last season, they'd scored sixty six. Bit of a head scratcher that one. So it, it's really about the goals conceded. Liverpool's just their their stunning consistency, which you know is very very hard to to plan for. But I, I said I said in the last pod when I looked at just five games where we'd scored two goals and only got three points, and and I said you know. It, yes, it's if, buts and maybes, but the Newcastle game, we should have won. We're winning 2-1 uh, right at the death. The Palace game, we were winning 2-1. We should have won, and we had more chances to win. And the Spurs game, uh, when we played them in Manchester, we had you know so many chances. We were winning 2-1, and we lost. We, we, we let them um, you know get a, a point out of that game. There's three games there. The Wolves game, already mentioned, where we were winning 2-0, we were down to 10 men. We lost the game. And the, the Norwich game uh, earlier in the season, where we scored two goals, enough chances to, I think, win that game, and we lost it. And you, and I said at the, in the last part, if you flip those results around, and we, you know, if we're scoring two goals, we win, which is what we should be doing, then we'd have been seven, six or seven points behind Liverpool, and we, it has still been a title race. There'd have been pressure on them. They wouldn't be waltzing to some uh, to the easy easy wins that they've got because the, you know it breeds confidence and they're playing with um, a carefree football at the moment because the only pressure that's going to be on Liverpool now there's no pressure to win the league there's not been any since I think October November there's been no pressure the only pressure on Liverpool now I think is to be invincible so there will be some nerves we saw with Arsenal when they were invincible that they ended up being nervous and drawing games rather than looking for wins they were happy with draws. And, you know, I think Liverpool, there will be some nerves trying to break this uh, invincibility record and get the most number of points. And they will get the most number of points ever. I have no doubt about that. But that invincible record, that's the only one that might throw, you know, a spanner into their works. But as far as I'm concerned, if Liverpool ended with 108 points rather than 112, it makes no difference to me. So looking uh, on the bright side of things, um, a certain Mr. Prestwich Blue was uh, looking on the bright side of things on Twitter, I can see. And um, I'm looking at this tweet in which he, sa- in which he says that um, you may be clutching at straws, but um, Spurs go above United, who dropped a seventh with that win. And if Villa win the League Cup, that means that they'd be out of Europe if they finished there. You made the point, you know, every every cloud is a silver lining. That was quite funny. I, one or two people took that a bit too seriously. <laughs> so, uh, they, don't, they don't get my sense of humour. Of course, it doesn't always translate well to the uh, <laughs> But I think one of the funnier ones that um, you made, or one of the funnier comments, uh, Colin, that um, you made on Twitter was your explanation for why exactly it was that Pep had locked, Pep had locked uh, the players in for 40 minutes and... Um, Tell us your theory about that. My theory was they had 24 attempts to open the door. None of them succeeded. <laughs> you weighed in on that one as well, uh, Ray. What was your theory? I, I said they had the 24 attempts. They, they couldn't do it. And then the Spurs, one of the Spurs female cleaners came. And you can get cleaners, male ones as well. But one of the female cleaners came and she opened the door at the first attempt. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You just, gotta, if you're not laughing, you're going to cry. And that is, uh, you know, one or two people took umbrage at one or two of my, my points. And, oh, uh, goodness uh, sake. I, I think, um, you know, as City fans, we, we've got this defensive sense of humour. And, and once the game's over, once the whistle gone, yeah, you can be annoyed. But, you know, we laugh about it. One thing that City fans were laughing at, um, guys, was that obviously Spurs scored from their first shot on target. I flipped over and I was looking at the BBC text message service. Or it's sort of the, the, the minute by minute thing. And the um, guy who was doing it, I don't know who was doing it, uh, was describing the play moment by moment. And um, he said, I think it was, a set, was the second one from a set piece. And um, it, it said, uh, Tottenham got a set piece here. They've got the chance for their second chance of the game it, it can surely only be a goal <laughs> literally two seconds well, later I mean, the ball's in the net you just, you just remind me one, one last thing Aguero had a great chance and he was foiled by Larice's toes who just deflected it onto the post or onto, onto the post or what onto yeah. the post wasn't it yeah, yeah. 
And then when they Tottenham scored their second, of course, Edison appeared to have it covered, but it just glanced off Fernandinho and uh, went past him. And and it was kind of a tale of two deflections, really, wasn't it? That ball was just not uh, going in at all. There was a. I think we're probably going to have to. We've worn ourselves out here, guys, and um, I think that uh, we're we're probably going to. Um, finish off here, but I, I don't want to let this slip by. Um, this was by Jonathan Liu in the uh, Guardian, and he made the point that uh, Ferran Soriano, City's chief executive, once wrote a book called The Ball Doesn't Go In by Chance, and he makes the, the, the quip that this was in fact the shorter and less acclaimed sequel. This game was the shorter and less acclaimed sequel to that book, which is entitled oh. "By By Chance the Ball Doesn't Go In." Although, or just the ball doesn't go in. Full stop. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, guys, uh, just before we go, Ray, remind us what's up next for City. What's up next for City? And I'm not going to put a jinx on this. We are going to absolutely stuff West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> we are gonna stuff them. That's come on, it. no, no, no! Come on, let's let's rein this in a bit because look at West Ham. Who is the manager? The greatest living football genius. He will nope. be licking his lips at the <laughs> thought of playing us in this form. <laughs> And yes, I am joking. Yeah, oh, yeah, you've got to signal that, Colin. That. You've got to say that, otherwise we'll have um, 20,000 we'll uh, critical we'll, comments. We'll have them, we'll, those rent-a-mob thugs in their b- black balaclavas uh, stalking, uh, you know, looking for you in Presswich somewhere, Colin. Yeah, throwing flares into your backyard. In Presswich, they'll be looking on a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say where you live. <laughs> anyway, okay, guys, we'll leave it there. And uh, just as we always do, we'll just uh, bid adieu and farewell uh, to the guys. Uh, Ray, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a, a blast. Okay, has that been a little bit of therapy for you, Ray? You got your got your blood well, pressure down now. Yeah, you know me. I'm you know I'm going to bounce back. Um, you know, look, we've been through a lot worse at City. <laughs> I think it's time to go to bed. Indeed. <laughs> uh, indeed, it, uh, it, it is exactly like that. And also, uh, Colin Savage, thank you so much for coming on. It's been very cathartic, if I may say so. Okay. Well, we'll leave it there, guys, and, and say, as we always do, until we see you again, have one on us and up those blues. <laughs> It's about time that your mind took a holiday